This is the Soulfully Casual Podcast hosted by Matty Ice. And now, your host, Matty Ice. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Soulfully Casual Podcast on this lovely Wednesday. Uh, this is hosted by Matty Ice Media, and I am your host, Matty Ice, as always, and it's a pleasure to be with you again. Um, you know, I'm doing something a little bit different. I told you in a previous episode that I generally tend to uh, record, you know, at one time and post the episodes, uh, uh, you know, ahead, you know, and I don't necessarily do this live. But for right now, for the episodes for this week, I've at least been doing it live on Twitch. Uh, I did some Instagram stuff and it's been so, so fun. And so anybody who's tuned into that, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you are having a good time seeing a little bit of insight into the show. And, um, you know, I look forward to doing more of this stuff. Um, I talked last episode about things that I've discovered uh, over the course of the pandemic, thinking about the future, thinking about what it's going to look like to be able to, um, you know, do things on a more regular basis and more normal basis. One thing that I used to do all the time, and I still find myself doing it, is I'm a huge movie buff. Uh, I am somebody who, when I scroll through the channels, uh, I generally tend to land on a movie that I know rather than a syndicated television show, unless it's Seinfeld or something like that. Uh, very rarely do I find myself looking at syndicated television, um, you know, even mainstream cable television. Like I would so much rather put on an old movie that I like, not necessarily old, but just a, a movie that I like, uh, you know, rather than rather than a TV show. And when I was uh, scrolling through the channels the other day, I kind of jumped to a movie that I had seen, you know, many times. It's actually a, a one of the better sports movies that I, I appreciate. It's a movie called Blue Chips. And it's with uh, Nick Nolte. And there's also, I mean, Shaq's also in it, a very young Shaq, a very young Penny Hardaway, uh, and so forth. And it's interesting, because I started watching it, and I've always liked that movie. Uh, but I realized that the movie was very much ahead of its time. And it's, it's amazing to sort of think about when you look at something from the past and think about how it relates to the future. Very, very often when movies are made, uh, when, when TV shows are made, they are made to not pay homage to the past necessarily, or think about the future. It's really about what's going on in the now. It's things that are in the conscious of, you know, the viewers, things that are in the conscious of the human race right now. And that's why things generally tend to feel dated after a certain time period. However, there are are exceptions to that rule, of course, but in this particular case, I found it amazing how much there was that was so relevant today. Um, So just for for your uh, edification, if you've never seen the movie, uh, Nick Nolte is uh, playing coach Pete Bell, and he is the head coach at what is Western University. I believe it's supposed to be UCLA. The colors are very much the same. It's out in California. Uh, and they sort of paint him as a Bob Knight type, which is interesting because at the end of the movie, he coaches against Bob Knight. But I think that's kind of the idea. He is a very um, you know well-accomplished coach. He is an older coach who has been winning national championships, but there has been a long lull period between when he won a national championship uh, previous. So he is looking to kind of get back to his winning ways. The game of college basketball, in the movie anyway, has changed to the point that uh, getting the best recruits isn't just about uh, being a likable guy, isn't just about the scheme that you're running, the school that you're at. There's much more involved. Uh, As the movie progresses, and he is trying to get a crop of new freshmen to come to his school to be on his basketball team, you start to see more and more that he has to sort of sell his soul to the devil, so to speak. 
uh, players, parents asking for things, players themselves asking for things, and some players in general not wanting anything but being offered, uh, you know, cars and so forth. Uh, there are boosters in the movie who are alumni, uh, who, you know, sort of are friends of the program, so to speak. They make these things happen. They make the money laundered. They, you know, scrub it clean, as they put it. And by the end of the movie, uh, Nick Nolte's character has basically dived completely into the corruption of it. And, you know, at the end of the movie, after beating the number one team in the country, has actually one of the better monologues uh, that I appreciate from sports movies about, you know, what the game of basketball has turned into and how he himself has cheated not only himself and his school, but the game of basketball by, uh, you know, basically becoming what it is that he despises. So at the time, the movie was supposed to talk about paying of players, how devious it was, how, um, you know, the, the maliciousness about these people who are friends of the program, the maliciousness about the idea of sort of actively recruiting in a way that is outside the the rules, outside of the guidelines set forth by the NCAA. I don't remember what it's called in the movie. They don't call it the NCAA, but basically the same thing. And yet here we are today in 2021. This movie came out in 1994. So it's been quite a while since it's been out. And now where are we? Uh, a couple of episodes ago, I talked about... Um, you know, the NCAA and players being able to move freely about the cabin when it comes to transfers and so forth. One of the biggest debates when it comes to collegiate athletics is the paying of players. What is fair compensation for these players? Uh, we have come to know uh, so much more and have so much more insight into how much money the universities make, how much money the universities bring in via these college athletes, specifically in basketball and football. And I think I've made that distinction before. Uh, Cleveland and I talked about the NFL draft on last week's Cowboy season, which you can find on uh, MattyIceMedia.com. And we talked about how much you know revenue the, the, those two sports bring in, because there is obviously a plethora of sports that universities have. It depends on how big or small the university is and so forth. But for the most part, you know, many uh, large universities have football and basketball, but there are other sports too. And what I think the universities generally tend to look at is how much revenue these sports bring in. And that's where football and basketball really separate themselves. Um, it has become so much more than even when this movie came out in 1994. The NCAA tournament is an absolute cash cow. Uh, all of the conference tournaments leading up to it, the, there are ratings booms. Uh, these television networks have gravitated and grabbed onto them so much. The millions and millions of dollars that get thrown around from the college football playoff, the NCAA tournament, it's so much money that's being thrown around. It's so much money that the university sees, but one of the things we don't have is the transparency into whether the university spend this money on their academic institution or whether it goes right back into the athletic departments. And the interesting part about this is that in high school, you do sports as basically like an extracurricular activity. It's sort of a hobby. Uh, and, you know, obviously, if you're going to a school uh, that has a, you know, wealth tradition basketball program or football program, and you are somebody who's looking to make it to the college level and eventually the NFL or NBA level, um, that's one thing. But even still, most people try out for college teams because they want to be able to play sports while also getting an education. The whole point of these colleges and universities here in this country is higher education that's the whole reason why they exist and now there's a lot of these universities that still exist for that reason but when it comes to sports the students or quote-unquote student athletes that go there don't necessarily go there for the education 
there's many of them that go there for the opportunity to leap into the professional realm, which totally fine by me, if I'm being honest. Everybody has the ability to market themselves. Everybody should have the ability to make money. That's what we are supposed to do, right? Like we want to make a living. We want to be able to apply some kind of a craft in order to live a comfortable life. And not everybody has the same opportunities. Uh, I'm fortunate to have had opportunities of going to college, uh, being able to get jobs and being able to, you know, provide. And that is not something that I take for granted. But one of the things I think that's gotten lost now that the movie I think was trying to say in one way, right, by how how horrible it is to pay these players. But yet here we are now debating whether that's something that we should be doing, whether a scholarship is worthy enough compensation for the amount of money that they bring in. So think about a basketball program, for instance. Uh, there are 10 or 11 players on a team, relatively. Only five get to start at a time. So there has to be a finite amount of players that can actually be on an active roster. In the movie Blue Chips, uh, Nick Nolte recruited three freshmen to come in for a new freshman class, which is basic. I mean, that's three-fifths of the starting lineup. So he has actively recruited by paying. I believe he gave one of them, one of the fathers a tractor, uh, a duffel bag full of money. I believe he bought a new house for one of the moms who, who lived in uh, Chicago in a very underprivileged area. And that's three-fifths of his starting lineup. So those players the amount of the 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 fewer the players the more money that they provide for the university so if that program goes on to win a national title in the time that they are there the school benefits greatly from a financial standpoint but the players don't and even if the players go pro i mean that's one thing i mean basketball players at some point used to at one point excuse me used to be able to go pro from high school and if they wanted to make that choice i feel like they should have been able to make that choice uh, Kevin Garnett, Kobe Bryant, those are two examples of the earliest uh, basketball players from high school going to the NBA and becoming great, making a real impact, not just on the NBA, but on their own lives. I mean, Kobe is considered one of the greatest players in NBA history. Kevin Garnett, not considered one of the greatest players in NBA history, but an NBA champion and definitely not somebody who is a slouch by any means, right? What would that have looked like had they gone to college? Would they have had the same impact? Because when you go to college now, the amount of, uh, you know, the, the percentage chance of you getting injured, uh, not being able to see playing time, you know, there's a lot of circumstances that can take place that could hinder the growth that you could have by going straight to the NBA. Football is a little bit tougher because the physical needs of playing football uh, are, are tough. I mean, I try to imagine a high school senior going to play in the NFL when the NFL First of all, when you go to college, you have significantly more resources to bulk up, to you know get better in terms of physical fitness. Uh, you have coaches who do that stuff for you. And in high school, they have that, but they're like your history teacher. They're not people that are necessarily paid to come in there and do that or professionals, so to speak. It's something that I believe that they do in their spare time. Uh, and then when you jump to the NFL, there are very highly paid people who their job is to basically make sure that you are fit enough to play this sport, that you are you know, where you need to be from a physical perspective in order to maximize your talent, maximize your ability. The rest is on you to eat right, to continue to do those regimens, to continue to learn your craft, learn the plays, right? Learn the schemes, things like that. Uh, but the idea of a 30-year-old linebacker or a 27-year-old linebacker in his physical prime hitting an 18-year-old receiver coming over the middle makes me deeply uncomfortable. I know I wouldn't want that for my son. So it's so much of a steeper learning curve 
in terms of physical abilities needed, right? Whereas in basketball, um, you know, if you need to put on some muscle, that's one thing, but you're not getting physically hit to the point of concussions. You're not getting physically hit to the point of there is a, you know, 30 year old seasoned veteran who is in his physical prime uh, intending to do damage on you. Basketball is an incredibly physical sport, no doubt, but it's physical in a very different way. And so I think the translation from high school to the pros is something that makes a lot more sense in uh, basketball than it does in football. And now you have what's called the one and done rule where you can't go from high school to the pros. You have to spend one year in college. And it's interesting because that one year has a ton of risk that's involved with it. Yet, if you make it out alive, so to speak, uh, and you make it to the NBA and you're good enough, uh, there is a huge reward at the end of it for you. Even if that's the only contract that you sign, obviously you have the, uh, you know, you have the, the money that is life-changing for you, no doubt. Um, but what is the school benefit from that, right? Like the school benefits greatly. So when Duke uh, had Zion Williamson, who now is going to be, I mean, he's a multimillionaire. He has his own shoe deal. So everything worked out for him, obviously. But it also worked out for the school too, being able to make a deep run into the NCAA tournament, getting those TV eyes on them. Ratings equal dollars. Uh, you know, runs into the NCAA tournament for these schools, especially the blue blood schools, the schools like Duke, UNC, Kansas, uh, and so forth. Uh, that's what TV executives want. That's what fans want too. Like, it's funny, fans want the upset, but not too far because they want to see teams that are recognizable. That's what TV executives salivate over is having schools that people recognize, even if they're tired of them, uh, they're recognizable. So your casual fan is going to tune in and be more excited for that than when you have your quote unquote mid-majors or your non-power conference schools. Um, but those athletes don't really get as much of a benefit out of it especially if they're not going to the NBA. So if you're an athlete that's on a program, um, you know, are you there for the education? Are you there for going to the pros? And if you don't end up making it, uh, the school owes you nothing, but yet the school benefits greatly from you. Your jerseys without the names go into the, the bookstore and get sold uh, for a premium. Like it's not cheap to buy a college jersey. I think it's like 80 to $90 uh, at Virginia Tech's, uh, you know, you know, campus store. And there's no names on that. You know who the numbers are. You know who the numbers translate to when you buy it, but their names are not on there. And so I think it's funny thinking about um, this movie Blue Chips, where I think now we have to think about it in a different realm. Let's say that we watch this movie with today's lens. Let's say that we watch it instead of 1994's lens of, well, paying players is, is not good. What is it like now where, hey, we're potentially thinking of changing the paradigm, changing the paradigm to paying players, compensating players in some way. Now, players are able to market themselves. They're able to make money off of their likeness. So what does that look like for that movie Blue Chips? You know, if, if those athletes are able to come to the school, they don't get compensated in a way where they're getting money in duffel bags, but they're able to make money off their likeness while they're in school. Does that change the entirety of the paradigm? Does that change what Pete, Coach Pete Bell or Nick Nolte's character did in the movie? because the athletes are now benefiting. In the movie, the athletes are benefiting because the school has to bend the rules or break the rules in order to make that happen. In today's world, while they're not fully compensated as of yet, they can make money off their own likeness. It's a huge shift in my opinion, and it's a good one because these players, again, their likenesses are making the university's money, but they're not seeing a dime of that from the university, even though they're getting room and board, even though they're getting you know trainers and all that kind of stuff, it doesn't come close to what the university is making off of the team's likeness. 
the team's success equates to so many more dollars than it does for whatever it is the university is giving the students. And I understand people are going to say, well, that's tens of thousands of dollars, possibly $100,000 per athlete. Folks, that's pennies to these schools. I mean, really. Like, Duke University, when it comes to its basketball program, makes so much money. And that program is just raking in money every single year, even when they're on a down year like they were this year. People tune in to watch Duke. People, you know, people want to go to Duke. Players want to go to Duke. It's just the way that it is. And so they command dollars. They command viewership. And they're making so much more money than you realize that they are. I remember having this discussion with my wife about it because she was in the camp of, well, we shouldn't pay the players because the university is certainly compensating them enough. And when she started working on state tax data, um, she started looking at that and she had that revelation about Gino Auriemma. And I think I mentioned that on another episode. I can't remember which, but, um, and when she asked the question of, well, wait a minute. So Zion Williamson isn't making any money. Uh, how much is the president, president of Duke university making? And we looked it up and we found out that the president of Duke university is making less than coach K by a significant amount. They're not poor by any stretch, but they are making a significantly less amount of money than coach K. And once she saw that, that Coach K was making what he was making and the president of the university. And the whole point of the university is not to have a basketball program. It's to educate at a higher level people that go there. That's the whole point. The basketball is supposed to be secondary. But now a lot of these universities are, you know, sports first, education second, it seems, because they're putting the big dollars into their academic, I mean, excuse me, their athletic programs. And yet you're hearing things about, you know, you know, things that happen with universities, things that happen with room and board. I mean, I remember going to Virginia Tech and they ran out of room in the last few years. And they had to basically ask people to wait to come there because, oh, we don't have enough room for you. We overbooked basically or overcommitted ourselves this year. So can you wait a year and we'll give you a little bit of a tuition break, right? Do you think they're doing that with athletes? Do you think that that's what's happening? Any of the athletes that want to come play there, basketball, football, do you think they're getting preferential treatment? I mean, they're obviously, you know, being allowed to come onto the campus to play sports. They're not there because of the education, whereas people who are looking to go there for the education itself are being turned away because, well, we've overcommitted ourselves. So the university is doing quite well, in my opinion. All the univers all these big time universities that are in the big time power conferences with these teams are doing well enough that I feel as if the amount of money that they're paying for some of these student athletes to go there in terms of scholarships, room and board and so forth is pennies on the dollar compared to whatever they make uh, from these sports, especially if they're, you know, having a lot of success. Like the University of Alabama was able to pay Nick Saban like $10 million. If you can pay the coach $10 million, I think you can make sure that the players are taken care of. So in blue chips, if that were the case, right, if the players were able to make money off of themselves, then what Pete Bell did really isn't that big of a deal. He's able to recruit now from a basketball perspective because he can say, hey, we're out in LA. You can make money off your likeness here. You can sell that. Instead of trying to, uh, you know, he was trying to basically recruit the old fashioned way, knowing that there were players who were willing to, I mean, excuse me, knowing that there were coaches and programs that were going to pay these players. They were going to compensate these players in a way that felt fair given what it is that they were coming to do for this university. And like I said, uh, when the three freshmen show up and they beat the number one team in the country, automatically starts generating revenue for the school, puts the school back on the map, gets them in the national prominence, viewers, dollars. Remember, 
and that's really really key and so i find watching this movie to be refreshing one because i just generally love the movie uh the last monologue is totally worth your time uh if you've never seen the movie but now i think it's great because it allows you to think of in the future the future's perspective taking something from the past that had a different message a different meaning and applying it now to what does today's standards look like and too often i think we go um, in the past and we try to apply today's ethics today's information on something that happened many many years ago and i think it backfires a lot because we didn't do things the same way that we did that we do today we certainly aren't as aware of certain things as we are today. Certain moral stances, uh, certain you know um, things that make people uncomfortable, and I've talked about that too. But the more we dig into the past and apply today's morals and today's thinking on it, I think it becomes dangerous. One of the things I think we should do is go back to the past and see, hey, what does that tell us about today, right? And Blue Chips does that. It tells you that at the time we thought one thing that we have now sort of come around on, that we have now through litigation, obviously, the Ed O'Bannon ruling, uh, we have basically seen that, hey, you know what? We maybe were thinking about this all wrong. It might be time to switch our stance. And maybe these you know, movies that have an agenda at the time that they come out are actually ahead of their time. Maybe we need to do a little bit more of that, looking at things in the past, projecting it to the future. Can we learn something from it? Can we learn how our thinking has changed? Instead of trying to apply what's going on today with what happened before, can we actually look in the past and think this is how we've evolved? And I think this is a good thing, right? And that's what I think we need to do. How have we changed? How have we evolved? And it takes time to evolve. Usually you grow obviously in a shorter term than you do evolving, but it's been almost 30 years since Blue Chips came out and it took us a while to get here, but now we are at a place where it feels a little bit more fair at these colleges where the universities are making tons of money and the players are now able to do something slightly better than what they used to be able to do. They're not beholden to, you know, basically unpaid slavery, sort of, so to speak, to these schools where they have to go out there and perform and don't get anything out of it, really, in comparison. Now, hey, if you're somebody who has a likeness, if you're a player like Zion who people know, you can actually try to market that because that's what it really comes down to, marketing your brand. If you want to get into the NBA, that's one thing that NBA players do all the time. Signature shoes. LeBron is a brand, folks. Like, he's not just LeBron James, the basketball player. He is a brand. He does so much more than just play basketball, and that's what it's all about. That's what we're trying to do at Maddie Ice Media, become a brand. Become something more than just one podcast or one YouTube channel. And that's what we're looking to do. And so I found it refreshing to watch that movie uh, I found it refreshing to be able to say that I have come around on it and that, you know, looking at this movie now with today's eyes saying, wow, so it told us one thing back then, but look how we've come around now. And I think that's awesome. Um, I really appreciate everybody who has, uh, you know, tuned in with us today. Um, it really makes me happy. The more and more listeners we get, the more viewers we get on all these different things that we're trying. Um, it just keeps me invigorated and I definitely appreciate all of you. Uh, going to be doing something a little bit uh, new again. Uh, I'm going to be having a live interview with somebody on Twitch. Uh, one of my sneaker friends, we're just going to chat it up, but we're going to do it on Twitch. So it's going to be recorded and set out, but it's also going to be live for you to consume. And I will make an announcement about that um, You know when that's going to take place uh, very, very shortly. Um, if you haven't, check out our uh, Instagram page, Soulfully Casual Podcast. Check out the Matty Ice Media uh, IG page, which is Matty Ice Media 21. 
And we also have a new Twitch account, which is Matty Ice Media, where you can check out our NFL draft show that we did. Uh, I had Cleve and Dave from Political Football on. I had my brother-in-law Mike here. And we just had a great, great time. So we're looking to do more of that. But um, I hope this finds you well. I hope this finds you happy and safe. And thank you for tuning in. And I will see you all down the road.